Once again, we're glad to have you with us this morning. We, we're beginning our, our Lenten series, and it's called uh, Let It Go, uh, Walking Away from Leaving the Darkness uh, Behind. Over the past few weeks, we've been talking about the mind of Christ and the attributes of uh, who Jesus was and those attributes that we are supposed to adopt as well, those things we add on to our life. And I hope uh, that that has been helpful to you. And as we move into this season now and hold the mirror up, as we hold that mirror up of self-reflection, we still see sin exists in our life. We still see that we're a long way from being the the fully redeemed, sanctified people that God created us to be, that we are are a a project, that we are a work in, in, in you know what I'm saying, a work in progress. There we go. You know what I'm saying. I don't know what I'm saying, but as, and there's sin that still has a root within us. And, and so over these weeks, we are, we are going to be looking at what are some of those sins that just have a hold on us, that we continue to struggle in. Now, as, as we talk about this, I, I want you to hear that God knows you have these sins within you. And his love for you is, doesn't change because of that. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son that through him we might have life and forgiveness, right? So, it, by admitting that we have sin, it does not mean you're out of the kingdom. It does not mean that uh, he can't be in relationship with him. What it means is there's still work to do. There's, there's still more of God that we need. There's a deeper, more intimate relationship that we need to have. And we're, some of these conversations are going to be un, uncomfortable. Nobody likes to talk about the problem they have. And I've been investigating your lives, and I know, um, <laughs> what, I know which sins you need to hear about. No, I, <clears throat> I think I think what we're going to talk about are some universal things that we that we struggle with, and and it's it's going to be difficult uh, at times. Uh, but here's the deal: um, sometimes in church we, we we shrink away from talking about hard subjects, and and you know if the only reason you're here is to pat yourself on the back and go home, this is the wrong church for you, or at least I'm the wrong pastor for you. I love you enough that I want you to know Jesus in a more deep way. And in order to do that, sometimes we got to do some hard work on ourselves, right? So this morning, we're going to talk about prejudice and racism, two of the most favorite topics in a church gathering, <laughs> right? It, 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 and before we get, can I, can I ask a favor of you? I mean, you, you control your own life. There are some things in this conversation that we all do. And, and, and I this is a, overall, this is a white affluent audience, right? And I'm going to talk about race. And so in white America, here's what we do. As soon as this conversation goes up, we go, wah! What are you calling me a racist? I'm not a racist. In fact, I had a black kid as a friend when I was in high school. He was my best friend. And we immediately start putting up the, the, the fence around us. And I'm just going to ask you, can you, can you hold off on the trigger this morning? Can, can you just make, can you open your heart and your mind to hear maybe what 
what God wants to say to us this morning. Let me let me read a couple definitions so we're on the same page. I know you have an idea what prejudice is and racism, but I just I want us to be on the same page. <clears throat> prejudice is the preconceived opinion that is not based on reason or actual experience. And then racism <clears throat> is prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism by an individual, a community, an institution against a person or people on the basis of their membership in a particular racial or ethnic group, typically one that is a minority or marginalized. Prejudice and racism, it is it is a problem that has been a part of the human story from the beginning. It is rooted in that sin nature that we have. It is, it has been used by the church. The church is not a moon from this. There's a reason why we should be talking about this in church because throughout the history of, of the Christian church, we have a black eye on how we've dealt with prejudice and racism. As, as, uh, as a Methodist church, we have in our history a schism between the South and the North over the issue of slavery. When I was going to seminary in Kentucky, I worked in a little town as youth director, and the church there had in its corner, it was the Methodist Episcopal South Church. And then you had the Methodist Episcopal Church. Which side do you think the South was on? Right? And somehow, in that time, and with the, and, and it's not just the Methodist churches, this was, this was, a, a, a throughout Christendom, uh, th- th- they had convinced themselves, biblically, that it was okay to consider white as a more, uh, godly feature than people of skin color, darker skin color. They had rationalized that. We, we have, we have made some progress, but very little progress in our world. It is a, it is a thing of hatred. It is a thing that, that, that just does harm to people. Now, in trying to figure out how to talk with this without y'all just tuning out on me and not coming back next week, I, I've, I've, I'm, I'm going to try to, to keep this, uh, as non-triggering as I can, but this, it's just naturally going to be triggering because that's that's what this do. We we have this thing called bias, uh, ra- ra- racial bias. It's inside of us, and there's Harvard studies and some stuff that they've been working on this. It's it, it it's in all people. It's uh, the culturally learned values that we pick up on that are in the background of who we are that we don't even recognize exist within us, but they lead us to some of these prejudice stereotype behaviors. I was looking for a way to sort of illustrate this uh, that that wasn't too far one way or the other. And so um, I found a video from uh, several years ago, back before HDMI. It's an ABC news story. Uh, It's fuzzy and everything. It was a social experiment that they did in a park. And they put a bike in the park and had it locked and then had three different people come and try to steal the bike. and judge the reactions of the different reactions the three different people got. So let's watch that. 
You see this and you wonder, did he lose his keys or is he blatantly stealing that bike? In broad daylight, he hammers and then saws on the chain. When that doesn't work, he pulls out an industrial-sized bolt cutter. And when he's asked, he fesses up. You lost the lock? Uh, no, not exactly. But he's not a real thief. Justin Kelly is an actor, and our hidden cameras are rolling. What happened? Um, nothing. I just, I can't get through the lock. I mean, I know it's weird, but you wouldn't happen to know whose bike this is. Yeah. All right, good. Thank you. It was odd that somebody had all that uh, that equipment. But you didn't do anything. No. That's true. That's the bottom line. Lots of people stop and stare. A few even question the actor. You just have to ask, is that your bike? I guess technically no. <laughs> okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. In over an hour, about a hundred people pass by. Only George and Arlene try to stop him. Some tell us they plan to call the police later. Others say they're scared. Keep moving. This woman and her friends give our thief the benefit of the doubt. When we ask why, Visa Washington tells us first impressions matter. I remember thinking young white men don't usually carry burglar tools. So we all make assumptions, huh? Yeah. I'm thinking maybe he works for the park. We replace our white thief with this young man, Matlock. Remember, both actors dress in a similar way and are about the same age. Is that your bike? Uh, nah. Then what do you cut the chain for? Right away. Uh, right away, somebody yelled. Wow. Within seconds, another person confronts our thief. Is that your bike? Technically, it's not, but it's going to be mine. More people converge. Oh, you taking that bike? That's your bike? Uh, no, it's not, sir. Oh, why are you doing that? Is this? I mean, is this any of our bikes? Is this your bike? It's not. It's, 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 no, but it is. It belongs to someone. To who? Well, well, not to you. And sure enough, one man whips out a cell phone to call 911. Yeah, there's someone not taking a bike here. Our actor triggers more reaction. Some people are even snapping pictures for evidence. I got you, bud. I got you. <laughs> you guys the bike. Who's over here? Once everyone moves away, we reset our cameras. And within minutes, another outraged man is yelling. Are you trying to steal that bike? Excuse me, sir, but the bike's been here for, for, for days. Like, no one's going to take it. Well, that's not your bike, then. Yeah, you can't just come in and take something from somebody. Excuse me, sir. I'm not okay, I'll just take your tools away then. You sure, sir? Please, sir. Please, sir. Please, sir. Don't touch my stuff, sir. Please, sir. Do not touch my well, stuff. Well, you're touching please. somebody else's stuff. Yeah, I, yeah. All right, but this is, but this has been here. Like, who's gonna take it? Well, that doesn't make it your property. Technically, it does. No, it, it doesn't. Technically, David. <laughs> it's not yours. To take. All right, sir. When we bring out our cameras, David here. Robb wants us to go after the thief. That kid in the red shirt, he's hacking away at a bike that's not his. Days, and he has the right to take it and steal it. And he's come here with She may not look like your average bike thief, but actress Ashley Carpenter makes sure anyone who asks knows she's up to no good. Need a hand? You don't know who this is, do you? Whose bike it is? Yeah. Yeah. 
With a little help from Ed Fitzsimmons, the bike chain easily falls away. Oh, my goodness, what a strong man you are. And he isn't the only man who stops in his tracks. What's this guy thinking? You know, you pull up, you don't know if she lost her key, if she's trying to actually take the bike, but then again, she's a girl. And would you so ever see a girl doing that? Steal? You never know. Most of the time, it's a guy going to do something like that. Reginald pedals right past his appalled wife, straight to our actress, asking her if she needs a hand. Uh, okay, I'll eventually get it. I did some time in I can, I can steal this. Oh, you can steal it? Maybe you can help me steal it. So, <clears throat> pretty comfortable social uh, thing there, right? Um, obviously, differences. The white guy, people questioned him, uh, but nobody got upset. The woman, they helped her. Um, because she was attractive, right? Old guys and good-looking women, bad combination. That's another sermon for another time. <clears throat> did you did you notice the way anger became a part of the situation with the black guy? The only difference was the color of his skin. And it elicited such uh, angry, I mean, it went from a couple people checking to a mob that, that was convinced uh, that something had to be done. And, and remember, I said, let's keep our, let's keep our defenses down. There's a narrative that, that we white people are comfortable with. And it's, well, you know, if you don't want to get in, like with the George Floyd and all those kind of things, we have this hard time as white people trying to figure out why it's so upsetting. And then when the Black Lives Movement comes out and they're they're saying things like "say my name" and, and "say his name" and stuff, and we we get political about that. And well, if you don't want to get in trouble, then then don't do the crime and stuff. But what we don't understand. That experience of that guy and the anger he felt, that's their everyday experience in life for everything. There is a different way they are treated in the world simply because of their skin color, right? I have never been pulled over because I look suspicious. But for black families, that's a constant fear. And then you know about the police violence that goes with that and stuff. And, and again, we have a, we have a scenario that makes that okay and we can talk ourselves around that and we, we've got our defenses and stuff. Well, but I've never, and, and, but the fact of the matter is the system is tilted against minorities. And, and we just, as white, we have, it is very hard for us to put ourselves in their shoe because we have no social reference for it. We're used to, if we don't get something we want, we call the manager and you better fix it. And da, 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 da. But what if, what if you were the one that no matter what you did, you were always considered less than or inferior? What if it was your wife or your kid or you or your grandkid that due to nothing except for his skin color or her skin color is judged and left out and treated differently. And what if the, the, the system was constantly putting you 
back and pushing you down. This, this is not the way the world is supposed to be, and especially as Christians. This is not who we are called to be. We're, now, I, every one of us has that, every one of us has that bias within us, right? So that's normal. But as Christians, we're supposed to not be normal. We're supposed to be divinely saved and influenced by an Almighty God who is holy. And so holiness becomes our goal. And in Christianity, in, 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 in our understanding of who God is, it is at the very heart of who we are that we are called to love people. Let's go back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. <clears throat> then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When God created, he created human beings of multi-race, of multi-colors, of, of, of multi-cultures. He created all of us. He didn't say, and then God created. Uh, y'all know Jesus wasn't white, right? I, it's just sometimes I feel like I need to check. Jesus was not a white Republican. I, I, I think we forget that the story of the Bible took place in a place that people didn't look like us. And we have so culturally appropriated this biblical story into people that look like us that we've taken it a step farther then and taken it and, and screwed around with it. And now the, the understanding of God and stuff goes through the lens of our white experience. And it, it does harm to other people. God created people of all colors. That, that song uh, that we used to sing uh, when we were growing up, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. All of them. All of them. And it's not just about color. It's also about different groups of people as well. I think one of the places where we see just the hatred of, of differentness in, in our in our current culture, I mean the politics thing, and the, the, we can bring color into that. The reds hate the blues, and the blues hate the reds, and they and 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 they'll back it up with Bible verses of why it's okay to hate them. But that's not the way God intended for us. The great commandment is, Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like unto it, you should love your neighbor as yourself. There's not a skin color reference there. There's not an interest group reference there. There's not a neighborhood. At one point, somebody asked, Who is my neighbor? 
And he told the story of the Good Samaritan. The moral of the story is anyone is your neighbor. Your neighbor are the other human beings that you, op- uh, that you occupy the planet with. And we are called to love them. And it's too easy for us to go back to old experiences and rationale and media narrative and political narrative. I mean, race has driven the political scene uh, since the forever, but especially since the 50s, 60s, 70s, race has been one of the driving issues. It's one of those things that they can rally support around and stuff. And and I'm not going to go into all the history of that. Do some reading on 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 just the plight of minorities in this group, in in our world. And it's not just black people. I mean, in Texas, we have a hatred towards uh, the people at the border, the people trying to cross the border. What do we call them? Illegal aliens. The name is even disrespectful. No, they're people trying to get into a a country. And I can hear you. Well, Keep that down. That's for another time. You can you can talk about me all you want when you get home. But they're people. They're not just numbers at the border. They're people. The Jews that are, I mean, uh, discrimination and hate speech about Jewish people is at a is at an all time high. Asian folk know what it's like. Remember over COVID, the hate crimes that were happening? I mean, it, it is a continued blight against it. And in the church, we're just quiet about it. We we hide our heads and we don't want to talk about it because it makes us uncomfortable. But here's the fact. The idea of, of Jesus' ministry is to redeem the world and we're meant to be the light of the world. And if we continue to hide our heads and not talk about it and not do anything about it and not at least open ourselves to the conversation, then we're not, we're just part of the problem and not doing anything to be a part of the solution. Let's, let's look at James. James chapter 2. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, someone suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, But you say to the other one, oh, you go stand over there or sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in the world to be rich in the faith? Aren't the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who... Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose holy name you bear? Yes, indeed, it's good when you obey the royal laws found in the Scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin and you're guilty of breaking the law. For the person who keeps all the laws except one is as guilty as one who has broken all... Who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you've still broken the law. 
So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Paul picks is talking about some of the social structure in his time. And there is a bigger difference between rich and poor. And and whenever we preach this in church, it's one of those we're comfortable with because anyone can get behind hating rich people, um, even rich people, because there's always somebody more rich than you, right? So you can always justify it. So we, we can blaze through that passage and and not think anything about it. But what that's talking about is discrimination against other people. That this this kingdom that God is building is for is for everyone. When when we when when Christ returns and the heavenly kingdom is is finalized and we 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 get to be in the presence of God, it is not going to look like this, folks. This is too white. It's going to be people of all colors. The worship is going to be of all different kinds of, of cultures and, and ways and languages and tongues. It's, and that's what makes it beautiful. It's just like when you go out in the wildflowers uh, this spring should be a good season this year because of the rain we've gotten. When you go and go to the Willow Loop in Fredericksburg and drive around that and the wildflowers are just exploding in several different colors all through a field, it, it, the, the diversity makes it beautiful. But we as human beings, we, we, we hate people that don't look or think or Act like us, and we we show we show partisan against them. We're, we're prejudiced against them. He gives the example of two people coming to church, and we still have that today. It, here's here's the, these are real life experiences. If we have a, a nice white couple, a fluent white couple, come in, I'm going to have at least four or five people come up and say, Pastor David, I want you to meet these folks. They'll make good church members. Just met them, but what makes them good church members? They're white and affluent, and we want white, rich people to come to our church and fill out a pledge card. But if someone comes in with a hoodie and a backpack and looks a little disheveled and has a grocery sack in his hand, people are going to come up and talk to me, but you know what they're going to say? Somebody needs to be watching this person. Are, are, are we sure he's supposed to be here? Now, I know there's been church shootings and stuff like that. We always got a rationale, don't we? But it just shows the prejudice that we have. We're, we're, we're meant to bring that Lord's Prayer, make it on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, it's going to be beautiful because all people are equal and all people are loved and all people and all cultures are celebrated. And what what if we could just do a little bit of that here? Now, I know this isn't something that we can just 
fix, right? But it's like with any sin, you, you're, you're not going to be able to just make a decision. Okay. I'm not ever going to be angry again. No, it's a continuing work in your life. And our belief as Christians is that God is the one who does the healing. And our, the way we move towards that is we invite him in to say, Lord, this part of my life is a disaster and I need your spirit to come in and, and, and begin to reshape me and rework the way, the way I think and act. And since I've been working on this, this sermon, I mean, I've been sort of tuned into this. And a couple of weeks ago, we went on vacation. I flew in airports and stuff. We were around lots of different people. And I caught myself so many times by walking by certain people or certain situations. I caught myself over and over having these stereotype ideas that just fling themselves in front of you. It, it's a part of who we are. But the difference now is that when I, when I begin to have those, I, I ask Jesus to change my vision and ask him to begin to, God, they're still there. Help me to see people the way you do. At the, at the prelude, Haley sang, uh, precious Lord, take my hand, which is, uh, which is, uh, uh, Negro spiritual, um, and, and a lot of the spirituals that we have uh, in uh, that we do in church and stuff were songs of of the folks that were enslaved as as a way to share the hope of God with one another and as a way to communicate the love of God with with one another, and 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 just to to take themselves out of the, the horrible situation they were in and imagine a time and a God in which they would be valued and have worth. Over the last, uh, over, over, for the last few years, there's, there's been a song, uh, from, from the black church that has become somewhat of a, an anthem, lift every voice and sing. And Haley is going to sing that for us this morning. And I want you to listen to the Word. And in that, I want you to try to put yourself in the place of someone who has been oppressed their entire life. Put yourself in the place of someone who just because of their race, just because of their identity, just because of who they are, is seen as a less than person. And I want you to hear the hope and prayer for what God's going to do in his just way. Lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring. Ring with the
Sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. Facing the rising sun of a new day begun, let us march on till victory is won. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, Thou who hast brought us thus far on the Thou who hast by thy might led us into the light, keep us forever in the path we pray. We With tears has been watered. We have come treading our path through the blood of the slaughtered, shadowed beneath thy hand. May we forever. True to our God, true to our native land. Would you bow with me? Let's let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is, this is such a tough conversation because it makes us all feel uncomfortable. But you know all about that. You were willing to go to a cross so that we could be in relationship with you. We can, we can deal with our feelings in order to be in better relationships with our brother and sister. We are not the people you created us to be. We have so far to go, Lord. And we're so grateful for your grace and mercy that extends to us. But as James said, who are we to receive grace if we're not willing to share it with others? Who are we to receive your mercy if we're not willing to give it to others? We offer ourselves to you. Take our brokenness, take our attitudes, 
take our prejudice and our racism. And God, begin that healing work that you do. Create a clean heart in me, oh God. We pray that in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.